Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, good morning. Welcome to Q&A. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning, and we would encourage you to text in your questions. If you have any from the sermon this morning, you'll see the numbers up on the screen. Um, and Doug would love the opportunity to answer those questions <laughs> like would. this morning. Yeah. Um, and so we do have some that have already come in, Good. Um, but glad that we had a safe service. No, no need for fire extinguishers <laughs> this morning. Yes, we had many texts since the Thursday service uh, of a need for a fire extinguisher, which... I guess was responsible. Seemed <laughs> unnecessary, but I guess responsible. But it was a great illustration, and I think it was worth the danger, <laughs> the perceived danger. We'll say that. <laughs> I was more nervous on Thursday night because the paint on my brick and wood were still a little wet, and ah, wet paint and you know, paint is flammable. Mm-hmm. So wet or dry, but even probably more so. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, I am thankful. But a really great no incident. Great example, I think it was. It's just a great object lesson. So uh, first question here, uh, confused about doing things in love. Hmm. If I do good deeds out of my love for someone, is it worthy of reward or must the good deeds I do only be out of love for Jesus? Oh, um, actually, I think the love uh, for someone is exactly what is at stake. Uh, When we... We cannot love God and not love people. Hmm. So uh, I guess it's possible that you could love someone um, who loves you in return, but that gets to the expectation of return issue. So now I think at stake there in 1 Corinthians 13, where it talked about uh, if you do things but they're not done in love, then they are... um, There's no reward, nothing. So I think the issue is there that it's done in love for people Hmm. versus – and and these kind of go together, but – but love for self. We, we, we can very much do uh, good things in love for ourselves. In other words, that love for self means that if I do something good for them, they'll do something good for me. And if they have more resources than I do, then it, then it might come back to me. And it might be that they'll think more highly of me. So I think the contrast there is not so much love for people versus love for the Lord. I think it's love for people versus things done love for self. Now, is there an issue of uh, the Lord in that? Yeah, that's why the third uh, statement was that it's done for the Lord. So in love without expectation of return for the Lord. I think all three of them, uh, I distinguished them because the three separate passages spoke a little differently but they always addressed the loss of reward when uh, those things were not present. So that's why I distinguish. But they're kind of uh, intertwined. Kind mm-hmm. of, you can't necessarily tear them apart completely individually. Sure. But but I think it's helpful to have those individual points, almost like a litmus test, like for yes. your motives yeah. in situations. Um, so additional question here um, about uh, works done in love. So in practice, when I have done my works in love – for the Lord, I have been judged by others who have only done them for the recognition of men. Huh. What 
uh, sorry, when that happens, I feel demoralized and questioning myself. How can I get past the judgment of men? Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, that's a, that's a, I appreciate the honesty of that question mm -hmm. because the judgment of men can be extremely demoralizing. Um, so this might surprise you, but I would actually say, let the judgment of men, if it's indeed the judgment of men, because you are doing things for the Lord and not to please others, let their negative reaction reinforce and spur you on all the more to do the good for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because... Uh, Maybe I, it's, here's why I'm saying that. Their reaction to you is reinforcing that these are not judgments from people. These are not people from judgments that I should deeply concern myself with. Mm. If, if there is a person who loves the Lord and is seeking to live for the Lord, and they speak into my life, then I, I want to have make sure I have humble ears to hear. Mm -hmm. But if someone is selfishly driven and then are judging me according to their selfish motives, it's a little bit easier for me to discount um, what they are saying because of who they are. Hmm. So I hope in that situation, if indeed uh, you're doing things in love, and I'm not suggesting you're not, just if it's done in love and other people are mocking you for it, then what did Jesus say? Uh, it's, it was the Matthew 5, uh, verse 10 and 11, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great when people persecute you and mock you. It's exactly what he said. You know, reward for that. So it's not only reward for the good done, it's, the re it's reward for being persecuted for the uh, reward for the good done. So you get double. <laughs> and you never know how the yeah. Lord can use your continued acts of love in that individual's life, whomever it may be that right. has made those statements or judgments. Because, yeah, and maybe what you're getting at there, Tracy, is that when you continue, they may be persecuting you because or mocking you because your life is a bit of a testament against them, and they are feeling the conviction of that. And oftentimes, when we feel conviction, our first response isn't always, oh, thank you. Our first sure. response to conviction conviction when it comes through others is often a defensiveness and a rejecting of that. Um, when that happens, I try not to um, immediately conclude uh, where they are spiritually based on their first response. A second response is probably a little more accurate. So, I know in my own, I just should speak for me, I know in my own life uh, that where there's conviction uh, and I can be resistant at first, don't like it, um, but it's my second response of, okay, I'm sorry, uh, you are right, I am wrong there and... I want to receive it. So 
it may be that the 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 good deeds done in love are bringing conviction. Hmm. And that's why you're getting the response you're getting. Certainly could be. Um, question. So if the Bema seed is during the tribulation, yeah. what then happens uh, for those who come to faith during the tribulation? Yeah. Good question. And uh, didn't have uh, time to address that. I don't um, know exactly. I do know this, that um, we don't really – we are so time-bound but once we are out of this body, mm-hmm. it's our body that constrains us to time. And so to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, and therefore I am outside of, I'm free from time, if you will. I don't think it's a matter of, oh man, the tribulation started and the judgment seat of Christ was taking place in heaven, but now it's over and it's six years in and you died, it's too late. Uh, I don't think time works that way in the presence of the Lord. So it's not that, well, there's so many million people, it's going to take a long time. I don't think it's going to take a long time. and I don't think, therefore, because it's not going to take a long time that it will be over either, that mm. somehow uh, that's completed. So I think the judgment uh, seat of Christ awaits. I don't think a person, when immediately they die, they are immediately go before the judgment seat of Christ. I could be wrong on that. So that was definitely an I think. I think it occurs as part of our rapture, as part of our receiving our new bodies, that that's when we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So I think it'll happen for them as soon as they are. Uh, They won't be raptured, but in some sense they will because they'll immediately be before the Lord in the tribulation. Uh, the same thing would could be asked of those who come to Christ in the millennium, die in the millennium. And will they, um, when will they? I think when they die, uh, they'll go immediately before the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ, and then be rewarded. I think we in this church age are on hold until the next uh, progression of what the future holds. And so with that, but there's a lot of I think there. So, and I want to be honest about there's a lot of I think that I could be wrong. There's a, a lot that he didn't give us the details on. Yes. Uh, the mystery. Yeah. Which is, again, uh, I gave a win, a little bit of an idea of a win in the message because I knew it would be asked. Um, and I think there's a little evidence to say, to prove what I think, but uh, I'm also very aware I could have it completely wrong. <laughs> N- not the what, but the when. Right. Uh, so a question about that progression here. Yeah. Um, if we are still alive when the tribulation happens on earth, will we as a believer be punished while the wrath is happening on earth? Well, um, if we came to Christ, unless I'm misunderstanding the question, if, if we're already a believer, we will have been raptured and we won't be on earth during the tribulation. Now, so no, we would not be experiencing the wrath. If a person comes to Christ 
after the rapture, during the tribulation, will they experience some of the wrath of God on earth? Yes, they will, but it will mostly be the persecution of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back and listen to what the extended passages we read last week, there was some clear times where it says the wrath was poured out on those who had the mark of the beast, but not on the people of God. It's similar if you know your Old Testament. There was the plagues in Egypt. Some of the plagues in Egypt did not affect the Israelites in the region that they lived called Goshen. So there was, like it says, flies infested Egypt, but those flies did not fly among the people of God in Goshen. So there will be some of the hell, if you will, again, on earth. It's just an expression. The hell on earth that's happening during the tribulation will be sometimes reserved for only those who have followed the Antichrist and those who are in Christ will be protected, but they're going to suffer greatly for those who don't who don't believe. Hmm. So for those who don't believe... I- a good question here. If a person who has never had any opportunity to hear about God or anyone to teach them about God, would they then go to hell? Like someone who like lives, they said, for example, someone who lives in the middle of the desert. Okay. I think, uh, and this is, <laughs> that's a big it's question. That's a big question. That's a big question. And so um, I'm going to encourage you to read Romans chapter 1 and 2. And you'll see there that there is what is referred to as general revelation that um, I I believe, my understanding, that there is general revelation that God has given and those who receive it, God will graciously give more light to them. Light accepted brings more light. Light rejected only brings darkness. And so the downward spiral of those who reject the general revelation is that they continue to go into greater and greater depravity and believe the exact opposite is true for those who see uh, what the world and the design and what is true about life. They see a God who they do not know his name yet. I think God gives more light even if they're living in the middle of a desert. It's well documented that God has given dreams and visions to people who have never had a missionary go to them. Um, And so God can give light where light already given is accepted. Now, people, again, are going to be concerned that, oh, well, then if God can do that, then we don't need to send missionaries. No, we do what we do because the Scripture says we are to do what we do. So there is no excuse for that. I'm simply saying that the purposes of God will never be thwarted by the disobedience of man. Yes. That's a big question. Well done answering. <laughs> but there's the there's the key. The purposes yeah. of God will not, not be, be thwarted. thwarted by the disobedience of man. Mm. Um, so continued question on uh, works at the judgment seat. At the judgment seat of Christ, when our works are tested by fire, what happens to believers who none of their works they thought 
they ended up being quality or worthy of reward. Now, the second question, part of the question, I'm not totally clear on, but to, do they still go to heaven since our works don't determine salvation? Yes, it's exactly what the verse 15 said, mm-hmm. that they will be suffer loss, but still saved, but as through fire. So will there be loss? Yes, loss of reward, loss mm-hmm. of opportunity of, and again, what that reward looks like in heaven, I am not sure. Uh, and I'm always a little reluctant to even guess. But let's stay with what the text says. Will they be saved? Yes. Will they suffer loss? Yes. Will they be in heaven? Yes, they'll be saved and in heaven because of if they indeed have trusted in Jesus to be their Savior. No doubt about it. It says that very clearly. Which, um, I don't know if this question is asked, but uh, I do want to address this concept since some have grown up with this idea of or been taught an idea of purgatory, a -hmm. final purifying after you die, uh, this idea that if there is sin in my life that I have not confessed, that that needs to be purified. And so until that takes place, then you'll not be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, That idea, and I want to say this very directly, uh, the idea of purgatory is a direct offense to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. If indeed what we read in Colossians 2, 13 and 14 is true, that all of our sin and the debt that we owe because of it has been canceled out, having been nailed to the cross, then it is all gone and there is no such thing as a purgatory. The judgment seat of Christ is not a purifying of our sins. That's the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is the purifying of our sins. Purgatory it would suggest that it was not a completed work. The judgment seat of Christ is for the rewarding of works done in love. But I won't repeat the sermon, but I wanted to make sure if anybody was um, – why am I losing my, my word here? If they are equating – Purgatory with the fires of the judgment seat of Christ, not the same thing at all. Not at all. All our sin has been paid, and therefore there is no refining of a person in the meantime before they can go into the presence of the Lord. Hmm. It just makes me think the power of preaching the gospel to ourselves on a regular basis. That reminder that it has been paid. Yes. There's no debt certificate left. There's mm-hmm. nothing. It has been paid. Yeah. It's a powerful, mm-hmm. powerful reminder. Ideas that our sin is going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ, ideas of purgatory, they are um, unbiblical manipulatives to mm-hmm. try to get people to live the way God intended us to live. And, and, The power to live holy lives is in the power of the cross and the gift of grace, not in fear. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your questions. We really do appreciate them and hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.